Welcome to the Divorce Tribe Podcast. My name is Luke Mydell, and I created this weekly podcast to provide support and healing as you navigate the daily trials that accompany divorce. I have been where you are, I have walked that lonely road, and I'm hoping to share what I have learned and what I am still learning through others. We are part of the same tribe, the Divorce Tribe. Welcome to episode six, Home is Where the Heart Is. Home is where the heart is, and my heart is anywhere you are. If you couldn't tell, this week's episode is titled Home is Where the Heart Is, and it's based on an Elvis Presley song. Uh, last week, we talked a lot about children and first telling them about divorce. And it really is a heartbreaking moment that you have to go through that is best done as a couple who have created a script. You know, I advise you to do your own research on what's best for your kids, but today we move on to another topic that is difficult, but in the same vein as last week's episode, creating a new home for your children. And that's why it's titled Home is Where the Heart Is, because this idiom perfectly describes what you need to do to create a new home for your children. It means that home does not necessarily mean a physical location. And while there is an element of nostalgia involved with certain places, if you think back to those places, they are important not because of the physical location, but because of the fond memories and experiences you gained there. Comfort is the place where you find love and compassion and friendship. And creating a new home is necessary whether you are staying in the house you were already in before the divorce or moving to a new place. Whichever you are doing, you'll be creating a new home, a new place that is different for your kids. In some instances, both parents will be moving and creating new homes for the children. In other instances, one parent gets married soon after the divorce, and the kids are forced to adapt to a new home and a new family. In other instances, you build a home by yourself and your kids, and then you'll be building a new home years later when you remarry. In all of these cases, your consideration should be on your children. And let me just say, both your children and your stepchildren, because at that point, their feelings should be as important as your biological children's feelings. But before we delve into that, it's time for story time, where I discuss the current book I'm reading, or a book I have read, and how it applies to today's episode. So even though I'm reading a different book right now, Co-Parenting with a Jerk, which incidentally has nothing to do with my co-parenting situation, just putting that out there, um, I'm heading back to the first divorce memoir I read to pull out Rachel Cuss' description of what happened in her home post-divorce and compare that with what happened in Suzanne Finnemore's home post-divorce. In both instances, the wife kept the marital home and the husband moved out. In Rachel Cusk's book, her ex is written as a man wronged who is trying to get through the pain of divorce while tolerating the woman who caused it, and not tolerating it that well. In Suzanne Finnemore's book, she looks at her ex with more compassion, a jackass of a man with a wandering penis, a man who broke her heart but who she still allows into her home after he leaves to help with repairs, to read to her from the newspaper to even have hysterical bonding sex. Rachel Cusk, on the other hand, with two daughters, rents out a spare room to a stranger, a man named Rupert, 
who is given access to the kitchen, bathroom, two shelves in the refrigerator, and a bedroom. Can you imagine being an ex-husband and having your ex rent out a spare room in the house she's living in with your two young daughters to a strange man? Rachel Cusk describes them meeting randomly in the kitchen around dinner time and chatting as they share a meal or a glass of wine. But then she leaves on vacation with her daughters and receives a call that the man was drunk in the back garden, screeching in underwear one night and butt naked the next. The home the children had with their parents has been invaded by a stranger. What flippin' better way to make your children uncomfortable in divorce than renting a bedroom to a strange man? A strange man who has access to the kitchen that you used to only share with your husband, with your father. It's not surprising when she later talks about a numbness settling on their household that can transform into pain and describing how her daughter views the divorce. Quote, I have two homes, my daughter said to me one evening, clearly and carefully, and I have no home. I would hazard a guess that what the daughter was trying to convey was that she had two houses and no home. Suzanne Finnamore, on the other hand, retains her relationship with the man who wronged her, even with the fights and the arguments and the calls. She still allows her husband access to her home. Her son thrives and enjoys spending time with both mommy and daddy, and the son is comfortable in both homes with both parents. It's interesting to compare these two stories, I find myself commiserating and bonding with Suzanne Finnamore and almost angry at Rachel Cusk's character for how she treats her children. So in my case, when I was first facing divorce, I tried to find anything I could to help. And there wasn't much quality stuff out there. I found solace in long walks at lunchtime, where I'd walk away from the bustle of the office into a neighborhood that was next to our manufacturing plant. Well... On one of these early-in-the-divorce walks, I was searching Spotify for anything to help, and I came across this podcast by Kate Anthony called the Divorce Survival Guide Podcast. For anyone who doesn't know, Kate Anthony is an actress who ended her acting career after playing a recurring role on Grey's Anatomy, and she has gone on to become a life coach. Um, funny thing, I've never seen a single episode of Grey's Anatomy, but I did find this podcast, and I found it helpful, while also triggering at times because of our different opinions on divorce, and that's fine. You know, it's funny how your mind associates what you're listening to with certain places, but I associate her podcast with specific places in this neighborhood. In fact, I can pull up the earlier episodes on Spotify, and it triggers memories from my walks. Well, one of the things that she said about when her and her ex were deciding who was going to keep the house that really struck me was that she had originally wanted to live in the same home. She loved her house, and she wanted her ex to move somewhere else. But her husband said something along the lines of, wherever you go will be home for our son, but I will need the home so he can have a home with me. Basically, that it would be more beneficial for him to be in the family home because that would help her son feel as at home with him as he would wherever he lived with his mom. This is where I really respected Kate Anthony. Instead of just saying she still wanted the home, she realized that her husband had a point 
and she conceded that he could keep the house. Now, like I said at the beginning, Elvis Presley said it best in his song, Home is Where the Heart Is. Home is where the heart is, and my heart is anywhere you are. Anywhere you are is home. I don't need a mansion on a hill that overlooks the sea. Anywhere that you're with me is home. And when we talk about our loved ones dying, they are returning home. They are returning to their loved ones, their parents, their grandparents. It's a celebrated reunion. Now, I'm going to compare a house with a home, because even though the two are synonyms, there is much more meaning behind the word home than there is around the word house. So I want you to all close your eyes, unless you're driving, of course, and go back with me to junior high or high school when you learned about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You start at the base of this pyramid with the basic needs. They start with the physiological ones, a bed, sleep, clothing, shelter. Then you move on to the safety needs like personal security, employment, resources, health, property. These basic needs are where your house is. Now, this is an absolute requirement for your kids. They need these physiological needs. So, in my divorce decree, there's a specific section. Quote, Both parties are required to have and maintain individual beds for the children. The children may share a room, if necessary or desired, at either parent's home. Accommodations for the children shall be age-appropriate at all times. End quote. So, this is all about having a house and those physiological needs of your children met. However, when we move up further in the pyramid, we have these psychological needs, love and belonging, friendship, family, self-esteem, and freedom. Now, the home is the combination of the basic needs and the psychological needs. It's a combination of shelter, property, personal security, friendship, family, and a sense of connection. That's what we're striving for when we create a new normal for our children. We're striving to provide those basic needs as well as those psychological needs because that will help them feel fulfilled and loved and help them weather this divorce and come out of it as strong as they can. They're already a step behind children of healthy, non-divorced couples. I know that might piss some of you off, but it's true. Divorce is not healthy on kids. So we have to try and make up those differences. And making a new home is one of the ways we do that. So how do we combine these two things? How do we make a new house and a new home for our children? Well, let's start with the house. What's the first rule of real estate? Location, location, location. Some of you may not have the luxury of choosing the location, but if you do have that option, this one is important. Take into account your custody schedule and what will have the least impact on the children and yourself. Do you want to be driving hours each week to drop-off points? Are you able to stay in the same school district next to the same friends so that your kids don't feel like both their family, their friends, and their lives are being taken away from them? If possible, stay close so their lives are not disrupted so much. And in the same vein, do you really want to see your ex at church each week? One lady on Facebook shared how her ex found a house and continued going to the same church that she was going to with his new significant other. If there's one thing that will make you not want to go to the church that you have attended for however many years you've attended, that seems to be a strong contender. 
So will the proximity to your ex be a help or a hindrance to your healing? Will it be a help or a hindrance to your children? These are all important things to consider when looking for the location of your next house. In my case, I kept the marital home, and my ex found an apartment within a couple miles of the house. The positives of this arrangement are that I can quickly pick up my children if need be, and my ex can quickly drop them off. In addition, there were times early in the divorce where my daughter was crying in bed, missing her mom. I would sit there and hold her hand, but sometimes she just wanted her mom. While much of the time a phone call would take care of it, there were other times when I called my ex and I asked her to come and sit with my daughter. And this was only possible with her being close and also with the co-parenting relationship that we have. So, now that you found a location, you'll probably need to furnish it. I got lucky in that a friend, my boss for that matter, was retiring and moving back east. And he was doing this at the same time I was getting a divorce. Lucky me. So he said that he had a nearly brand new mattress that he was getting rid of and asked if I wanted it. And I jumped at the chance and hitched up my trailer. And when I got to his place, he had a ton of stuff. And he asked if I wanted any of it. So I got a relatively new mattress, lamps, coffee tables, bedding, kitchen cups, plates, mugs, goblets. I don't call them wine glasses. Goblet sounds much cooler, more medieval, or Indiana Jones-esque for that matter. Yeah. Anyway, I got a TV, I got sleds, I got an Indiana Jones hat. So he helped me move everything out to the trailer and into my car, and I basically had furnishings for a new apartment. At the time, I believe we had already decided that I was going to stay in the house, and my wife was going to be finding an apartment. And he asked where I was going to be staying, and I didn't want to explain that I was gathering this stuff to help my wife furnish her apartment, so I just said I was still looking. Uh, it's weird. People assume certain things about divorce, that it's all high conflict and anger, which is true. It is high conflict. There's a lot of anger. But at the time, I loved my wife. I was angry, but most of all, I felt extreme grief and sorrow. But my general instinct wasn't to hurt her, it was to help her still. And in her case, her general instinct wasn't to hurt me. I think she just felt a lot of shame. So I took all that home and loaded it in my garage because even after my divorce, my ex was still living in the basement until she had a secure job and an apartment. And then when she found her apartment, we loaded it all back up and moved her into her house. So while I was able to get much of that stuff, you'll need to find that stuff on your own. Through thrift stores, Ikea, bringing some of it with you, or any number of places. Just don't pick up any mattresses on the side of the road with large free signs and questionable stains in the shape of a body. Now, here comes the fun part where you get to include the children in the process. They're not going to be happy about all this. But something that may help them is to include them in decorating the new home. Have them help decorate their own space in the new home. Look at posters and artwork that they like. Go out with them to buy dressers and furniture. Let them pick out new bedsheets, new nightlights, new clocks. Get them chairs for a reading nook. Make them feel like they're coming home when they get to their place. And hopefully they'll feel like that at each place, at 
both your home and at your ex's place. Now, please have mattresses ready for when you move. You don't want your kids feeling like they're just guests sleeping on the couch or a hide-a-bed for a night to visit mom or dad. You want them to feel like they are coming to a new home that they helped furnish and create. They need to have ownership of that process and feel happy and excited about it. Now, let's talk about the actual move and making it about the children. This can be a positive or a negative memory. It's your choice. So let's go over the options. In my case, the kids got to see their new room. They got to have a sleepover in the living room with their mom. And it was exciting and new. It was only this way because we made it positive and exciting. A new home! Yay! Yippee! <laughs> um, I had to swallow some pride and hide a lot of my feelings during that move. But because we did it that way, it wasn't a negative experience for my kids. Now, for other couples where it's a high-conflict divorce, you may want to take your kids somewhere else while your ex moves out. Because it's not always your choice to make it a positive experience. It might just be a negative experience. It's your choice to try to make it as positive as you can. This can be a very emotional time for your kids to have a parent move out. So it might be a good idea to take them out, go on a hike, go to a movie, go on a mini vacation. Just be sure to have someone you trust at the house while they move because you don't want your stuff missing or trashed. Obviously, that only applies if you don't trust them to only take their possessions. And you obviously don't want them finding that Backstreet Boys CD of theirs that you stashed in the bottom of your underwear drawer, hoping they wouldn't notice. In Rachel Cusk's memoir, the memory of her husband moving out is not a positive one. Quote, The day my husband moved his possessions out of our house, I had a toothache. It was raining, and all morning the door to the street stood open. The wet air gusted in, and the dim hall lay like an open tomb in the gray daylight. I stood at the bottom of the stairs, my hands over my mouth, like a mime artist, pantomiming dismay. End quote. So, just look at those words she uses. Dim hall, open tomb, gray daylight. She talks about standing at the bottom of the stairs, unmoving. This is not a positive experience, and I hope her children weren't there to witness it. Now, let me make something clear. Helping my ex move to a new apartment, loading trailer after trailer with her belongings, and carrying them into her new house, that was not a positive experience for me. I felt sad and depressed, and I had to wipe a few discreet tears out of my eyes while we moved but I hid as much as I could for my kids so that they didn't have to take those emotions on themselves. So, you've found a location. You've furnished that location and had the kids' input, had them create their home as their own. Next, you need to create those home-is-where-the-heart-is memories. Remember what a home is. It's a place where your children are happy and comfortable, a place where they feel loved and safe. I'm reminded of a children's hymn I learned in church as a kid. 
There is beauty all around when there's love at home. There is joy in every sound when there's love at home. Peace and plenty here abide, smiling sweet on every side. Time doth softly, sweetly glide when there's love at home. Now, I'm not talking about the cheesy mottos that people place on their walls in fanciful sticky letters. Live, love, laugh. Together we make a family. Dream big. I took all of those down gradually after my ex moved. Not out of spite, but because, like our marriage the last few years, the edges slowly peeled away, losing their adhesive. And I, almost like ripping off a band-aid, pulled them off the walls. And I threw them into the garbage. What I'm talking about is building a home where the kids are comfortable talking to you. Comfortable having friends over. Comfortable in their own space and with their own bed. So start making new positive memories in that space. Right now, it might just be a house. It's a place that keeps them out of the rain, keeps them warm in the winter and relatively cool in the summer. But to start making your new house a home, start making those memories that will last a lifetime. Make cookies as a family while you watch one of their favorite movies. Have a picnic or tea party on a blanket in the living room. Tell spooky ghost stories around Halloween or start having game nights with their friends or cousins. These positive memories will help your children feel loved and accepted and comfortable in their new place. Now, obviously it can't all be fun and games. Midnight bedtimes, cookies for dinner, movies each night. And although you will need to accept that the rules between homes and the parenting methods will be different, you want to try to maintain consistency between homes, especially if you have a 50-50 or 60-40 schedule where the kids spend nights at each parent's home each week. You don't want them going to bed at midnight at one house and then trying to put them down at 8 or 9 at the other house. You don't want them being forced to do homework by one parent and then watching TV with ice cream the entire time they're with the other parent. Here's where positive co-parenting can help. Try to maintain a consistent bedtime and wake-up schedule between homes so they don't feel like it's daylight savings time every couple of days. Try to work with your ex to maintain that consistency. Bedtimes, homework requirements, curfews for your older children. Now, this can be tough if you aren't on good terms with your ex. In those cases, you can try to mirror the ideas that they implement that you agree with and just do your best with the other items to maintain consistency in your house, to maintain discipline in your house, to maintain healthy habits in your home. This can be hard if your ex is a Disneyland parent or doesn't have the same values as you. And in this case, there's nothing you can really do about what happens at the ex's house but you can impact what happens at your home, and it's about your children's well-being. Something else that will help with their emotional well-being is to have nightly or almost nightly dinners around the table where you can talk. We did this growing up, and I've tried to do this since my divorce. Now, yes, nine times out of ten, it's my son shoving everything down with a trowel and my daughter complaining about having to eat her cauliflower. But that tenth time, it's us laughing and talking. This last Christmas, or two Christmases ago, I can't remember, a neighbor gave us a stack of question cards. And we spent every dinner that month going around the table 
and each of us would choose a question that we all had to answer, and it really helped my kids open up. It helped my son move beyond monosyllabic yes-no answers to thought-out responses to funny or profound questions. Doing this will help build your house into a home. So to summarize, to build a home, you need to consider both the physiological and the safety needs, i.e. the basic needs and the psychological needs of your children in this new home you are creating. To summarize how to do that, one, choose a location that is beneficial to your children and yourself. Two, furnish and decorate that location before you move in and have the kids help with that process so that they feel like they have a hand in creating their own personal space. Three, decide whether you are going to have the kids participate in the actual move or whether it would be best to be gone during the actual move. Four, create those new positive memories. Make cookies, host a game night, picnic in the living room. Just make it fun and a place they want to be. Five, maintain consistency between the rules of each home. Bedtimes, chores, homework, curfew. This will help it be less jarring as they transfer between homes. And then six, eat dinner as a family. And remember, you're not a failure if they don't talk much. Keep at it, and those diamond days will appear. Throughout all of this, remember, go easy on yourself. It's hard to keep up with all the chores, maintaining a household, taking care of your kids and yourself. Sometimes at the beginning, the most you can do is just focus on one or two things a day. Just get them done. Continue writing in your divorce journal. Continue seeking out help and guidance from your divorce tribe. And accept help when it's offered from family and friends. Eventually, you will get to a place of healing where you will be able to offer more to your kids than the basic needs. Where the psychological needs will fall into place. Where you'll be able to focus on making your house a home. You can do this. Now next week, we'll be discussing a topic that has been both helpful and detrimental to my healing. Therapy. And I've had a lot of it. And I've seen multiple therapists. I'm actually really excited to be talking about it. For one thing, I found my therapy notebooks hidden in the back of one of my file cabinets. I had looked for them previously, and I thought I had just gotten rid of them or thrown them away. But I found them while I was looking for some other documents that I needed before a doctor's appointment for my son. So over the next week, I'll be going through those and pulling out those gems that I learned, and also discussing the things that ended up having a negative impact on my healing. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a bumpy ride. It includes therapy notes from when I was trying to save my marriage, before we had decided to get divorced. It includes therapy notes from after my divorce, when I was trying to heal. And so... Stay tuned for that next week. Thank you for joining me today. If you found this podcast helpful, please like and subscribe, leave a review, and share it with others who could use support and healing. Visit thedivorcetribe.com for more resources to help you through your divorce, and follow me at The Divorce Tribe on Instagram to be notified when new episodes and content are released. Remember, you are not alone. We are part of the same tribe, the Divorce Tribe. Until next time.